I'm delighted to welcome Stephen Newton, who is the Regional Manager for Migrant Help in Scotland. I've known Stephen um, for a good while now and, and worked with his team uh, with regards to victims of uh, modern slavery and human trafficking in Scotland and helping them uh, try and find work following their, um, their uh, experience, their horrible experiences in to be as well, sadly. So, um, Stephen, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I'm delighted to have you on. Thank you Stephen. for having me on. No problem at all. Stephen, you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, you've worked in the sector uh, with regards to, when I say sector, with regards to supporting victims um, for, a long, for a long, long time, because prior to Migrant Help, you had another role within, within this, this sphere. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and what you do and what you've done? Sure. Yeah, so I, I moved into this sector back in early 2017. So I started um, working down, down in the south of England on the UK's National Modern Slavery Helpline. Um, just started there working on the helpline directly as an advisor and kind of went from there. Um, worked there for just close to three years um, and sort of ended up supervising on the helpline for a while and then just looking for sort of a change a change of role but staying within the sector which I'd sort of you know come to feel was something I wanted to do with my life but then saw an opportunity for sort of taking on the regional management of migrant helps trafficking support services in Scotland that was back in uh, early this year so February I started just this February just before it all went a little bit um, interesting with all the um, lockdowns and everything so yeah I started in early February um, back up in Scotland for this role with Migrant Help yeah and so tell me so so you're with Migrant Help now in Scotland you're covering the region um, my understanding is that Migrant Help you are contracted by the Scottish government you're a charity that's contracted by the Scottish government to support those victims of labour exploitation that are rescued could you expand on that a little bit Sure. So, I mean, Migrant Help as a charity overall does numerous different things. So obviously, as the name kind of implies, it's it's a lot of its help is to do with supporting asylum seekers. Um, but then it's also involved in sort of supporting victims of trafficking across the UK. So I'll come to Scotland in a sec, but just in the wider charity. So, for example, in England down south uh, migrant help is a subcontractor of the salvation army so the salvation army have the contract with the government to support trafficking victims down in england and then migrant help are one of the subcontractors that help with um, supporting trafficking victims once they're referred into this thing called the national referral mechanism but as you as you correctly say in scotland the contract sits directly with the scottish government so migrant help along with another organization called tara we both hold the contracts with the Scottish government for supporting trafficking victims. Um, and kind of the breakdown of that is that any individual who is an adult who consents to government-funded support um, will come into our service. All adult victims, except for specifically female victims of a type of exploitation called commercial sexual exploitation, so the female adult victims of commercial sexual exploitation, they get supported by this charity called Tara. 
all other adult victims get supported by us. So that's both males and females who are victims of labor exploitation, criminal exploitation, males who are victims of commercial sex, sexual exploitation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we kind of hold the contract with Scottish government to support all of those people across Scotland. Um, and, and if I can of course, ask... children, children under 18, of course, are supported by the local authority. That's kind of yeah. the case across the whole country. So if I'm a victim um, and I'm identified as a victim and, it, and I'm effectively referred through the national referral mechanism, what happens with regards to what migrant help do? Basically, if you, once you're referred into our service, so... There's a number of different routes through which someone can get into our service depending on who that victim encounters. So maybe it's someone that's been encountered by police, maybe it's someone who's been encountered by immigration authorities, maybe it's someone who's already claiming asylum and the solicitor identifies that they might be a potential victim, whatever the kind of route of identification is. The main thing that needs to happen is that something called a, a national referral mechanism form needs to be completed and the adult needs to consent to entering that service and that that form needs to be completed specifically by someone called a first responder so there's, there's a there's a list of first responders but essentially that's often police or somebody in the local authority it doesn't include solicitors um, so often solicitors will refer them to us for us to complete the national referral mechanism form because we're, we're one of the charities that's able to complete that form so the victim is identified form is completed by a first responder um, the individual is then referred into our service and that's when our support then kicks in so in terms of um, that's kind of the lead into it and then the actual support is is very much tailored to what the individual needs when they come into the service. So some people come in and they need emergency accommodation immediately, and we help with that. We've, you know, we've got secure accommodation that we will provide to people who are destitute and need that. Um, some people coming in need that. Some people don't need that. Some people are already possibly in like they've got some sort of a private accommodation if they're out of the situation of exploitation for example or they might be in asylum accommodation but quite a lot of individuals need that emergency accommodation until such time as we move them into more mainstream support so that's one of the key things that happens early on is to secure the physical kind of well-being of the individual in terms of making sure that they have safe accommodation um will then get assigned a caseworker. So we've got a team of caseworkers and a client will be assigned to whoever we feel is the most appropriate caseworker for that individual. And then a support package will be built for that individual. So, I mean, initially, obviously, we'll carry out risk assessments on the individual, look at what are the risks, how are we going to mitigate that risk, what are the specific needs of this person, do, are they, are, do, they, do they need psychiatric trauma support do they need help with things like english classes um, do they need help integrating into the community um, do they need legal advice you know what are their financial needs etc all of this stuff will be identified early on by the caseworker working with the individual and then a specific support plan will be put into place and then that's where the support kind of launches off from there that's, that's, I mean, that's a really, really good detailed description 
of of the process. It's great that you've explained, you know, mm. how it goes from from being referred, you know, and how that first responder refers you, and that support that's given that uh, migrant help gives. It's so worthwhile. And what kind of key that I picked up on there? It's individualised. It's every person is different, and they all have a story to tell. They've gone through. You mentioned there's some of the, um, you know, there might be some psychiatric support because of the trauma that they've they've suffered in in their in their story, and I call it their story, and I don't say that lightly. Even I've met a number of the victims and dealt with a number of the victims that have been referred to migrant help, because we, as you're aware, we right working staff link support victims and trying to those who want to work and are able to work. We have we'll endeavour to find them work in Scotland, um, and that's that's really key to our support and what we can do. Can you tell me, you know, you know, when I, when I say I've met some of the victims, and, and I, it's quite harrowing some of the stories that I've heard, and and what's what's happened to these people. Is there anything that you can let us know about, you know, some example stories? Obviously, you don't need to go into too much detail, even given the confidentiality around it. But what's happened to some of these people? Sure. Yeah. So. And I would just put in a comment there as well. I'm very much aware of the excellent work that you do. And I know even just recently you've been helping some, some of our clients to get to those that are able to, to get into some form of work, which is truly a shout out to yourself. That's, you know, you do excellent work with that. Um, I think so, to, you know, many of the people that come into our service, into our support have gone through things like, you know, experiences like criminal exploitation, where, for example, they are maybe being trafficked into the UK and kind of like forced to work in, you know, on a cannabis farm, for example, would be a typical example of someone that would come into our service. So they'll have been kind of shut into a cannabis farm, not able to leave it, sort of required to be in there tending the plants, um, you know, and sort of under threat of, you know different penalties for if they were to try and escape that situation so that's that's sort of a typical example of what somebody might have gone through um other individuals might come into the service having gone through various forms of um labor exploitation so they might have you know it's happening kind of in all sorts of different areas so construction industry agriculture you know places like nail bars car washes etc um, those are some of the sort of areas where it would have been happening. Um, and then there's, yeah, I mean, there's certainly individual in terms of individual cases, for example, I, I mean, there's just, there's so many, I'm trying to think of what a good one or two examples to give would be, you know, one, somebody that we're supporting who's sort of seven years of, um, being kept under very, very close control by exploiters doing physical, labor for the exploiters for many many years just trying to make sure i don't reveal too much about specific situations but that's one typical example or somebody that you know i mentioned earlier for example that tara the organization that support female victims of commercial sexual exploitation so it's not it's not that uncommon for someone to come into the service who's been a victim of more than one type of exploitation so they might have been referred into the service as a victim of say criminal exploitation so maybe they were where when they came to the attention of somebody that referred them into the national referral mechanism or the nrm maybe they were being exploited um 
through cannabis cultivation or labor exploitation, whatever it was. But then when they come into our service, we find out as they gradually get to know the caseworker more and they begin to open up more that maybe actually the type of exploitation that's most affected them is that maybe they were a victim of commercial sexual exploitation as well at some point in the past. So they might have gone through horrific experiences of obviously, you know, being forced to carry out those sorts of activities against their will um, and you know having all dignity stripped of them being forced to do those acts and then we might for example then say okay this person's actually more suitable for the Tara service for example so we'll partner with them and move people it's basically according to whatever the victim feels is the type of support they most need based on what they've gone through um, and that's, does that kind of is that, yeah that's, is that that's kind of, covered it and i understand the confident confidentialism and, and, and unfortunately unfortunately i'm privy to a lot more information probably because of the work that we do in supporting some of those victims so we I know their stories and and yes even you've given a very good uh, overview and um, and sadly to say that you know we had a podcast recently with ds phil capaldi from police scotland and he talked exactly what you're he talked in detail about what you're talking about with regards to the criminality behind it so an individual who's been um, used for sexual exploitation how the why that criminal organization or criminal behind it or control or that individual will then look at labor exploitation as another way because they're just trying to make money out of the human being and that all this really boils down to isn't it sadly i think so yeah sorry it's a bit of a, of a delay there. I think sometimes I, um, like, it shocks me still, having, despite being in the sector for a few years, it shocks me sometimes still when I come across, when, when some of these survivors come into our service, um, just the way that you see them functioning, you can tell that there's someone that's spent a long time under very, very close control and living under constant fear of being punished for, you know, breaking quote-unquote rules etc and so for example you know I'm thinking of, of one guy that was in our service and you know every every you know we had to we had to educate him that he wasn't required to kind of like perform labor for us if that makes yeah. sense like this individual was so conditioned by the years and years of being exploited that they felt like every time there was like something in the building or something you know one of the you know secure accommodations that was wrong like an immediate need to jump in and like feel like they needed to perform the sort of um you know the labor if that makes sense and, and then i'm thinking of another individual that's been in our service who every everywhere that this individual walks they're kind of like looking in the shadows type thing they constantly feel like they're being surveyed like the exploiters could be anywhere around the next corner type thing so it just has that it leaves that impression on people and i have to say it's one of the rewarding things is that after you know a few weeks a few months you do gradually see people who have been exploited to that level starting to Kind of regain a bit of their natural self and kind of like start to become a bit more trusting and engaging more and more and not quite as kind of terrified of everything but that certainly takes time that process and obviously 
at that you know that that sort of level that's not just us working to try and help that individual as i mentioned previously those sorts of people will be linked into psychiatric support services we've got we work closely with um an organization called the anchor service which is part of the nhs which offers um trauma support to um, any of our clients that wish to take that up and we also um, i'm getting a bit off topic here but we also we also offer a lot of um sort of crisis counseling sessions as well to people that that come into the service that are at that point where they just need sort of immediate um psychiatric help they need an immediate intervention and this to me you know as we come to a close here Stephen that's just I hope for the people watching and listening um, who have an interest in this topic in Scotland they now get a feel for the real life um, effect that this has on individuals and I think Stephen has talked about the psychiatric input that needs interventions that need to be put in place to help support these victims they need to be kept safe um, and they need to be supported and we are luckily and privileged to have Stephen and his team in Migrant Help, his, his team of caseworkers that are there helping these individuals one by one and sadly in Scotland to, to reiterate a point that in, in 2019 we had the most amount of victims um, re- rescued, referred through the NRM than we've ever had before, 125% higher than the year before, so 512 victims um, over 200 early 200s in, in 2018 there's no getting away from this problem is growing and it's getting bigger uh, indications that the pandemic and covid are going to make this worse so as i kind of wrap up here with Stephen, it's just to say that um working with scotland against modern slavery and the launch of what will be the the, the corporate group as we're calling it which will support the scottish government um, and helping uh, provide support and and help businesses understand not just legislation that will affect the business, but how you can actually help these victims that Stephen has talked about. Um, so we can have a grouping of businesses that are working together to support the victims and understand that they're, they're not just going to be able to walk into the workplace um, and do 40 hours work without a bit of support as well from, from employers as well. So um, to me, that's something I feel very passionate about. And I know that working with Stephen and Migrant Help and a number of other charities and NGOs in this sphere in Scotland, it's very, very important. But uh, I'd just like to say, Stephen, thank you so much for your time. You've given us a real insight into uh, what you do and also about migrant help. Do. Uh, it's been quite, um, uh, I would say, sobering, I would say, because it's the real life side and it's the, the, the hands-on aspect of helping the rescued victims in Scotland. So Stephen Newton, uh, Regional Manager of Migrant Help in Scotland, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Shannon. As I said earlier, please keep up the great work with everything you're doing through Bright Work. It's fantastic whenever I see that one of our clients is able to, to get work through what you're doing there. So, you know, thank you for everything you're doing as well. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks now very much.